0: And we're back. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Dump on the Ump, ostensibly a baseball podcast. Tonight is Wednesday, June the 24th, 2020. Coming at you from Champaign, Illinois. My name is Joel. With me tonight, as per usual, is Sam. Sam, how's it going?
1: Hey, Joel, I'm doing well. I'm coming at you, as usual, from hot and sticky Brooklyn, New York. (laughs)
0: Uh, ladies and gentlemen uh, again this is ostensibly a baseball podcast before we get started I wanted to remind you if you're listening to us on Apple iTunes give us a rating, a review, and a subscription you can also check us out on Spotify and or SoundCloud you can also check us out on all of your social media applications that includes Twitter at Dump on the Ump, Facebook Dump on the Ump, and Spotify Dump on the Ump We're going to try something a little bit different this evening. We're going to do a a B-Block Book Club slash Poetry Club. Uh, I'm very excited about this. Sam has been reading the poetry and essays of former uh, Poet Laureate of the United States, Donald Hall. And especially his collection of poetry and essays... Fathers playing catch with sons. So, having said that, I'm going to toss it over to Sam to get us started. All right, go ahead, Sam.
1: All right, so I'm reading this book, Fathers Playing Catch with Sons uh, Essays on Sports, mostly baseball, is what it's called. And um, written by Donald Hall, who uh, is a major baseball fan, major sports fan, but mostly, like, mostly baseball, it seems like. Um, and in the introduction of this book, he credits his, inter- like his, him getting into poetry to being bad at sports and needing a way to impress girls. And that's why he started writing poetry is because he was a helpless athlete. Um, and, <clears throat> but always, always loved it. And always kind of dreamed about it um, as he writes about this essay that, I'll get into in just a second. I'm going to start by reading a poem of his called the baseball players. Um, and Joel's given me some tips on poetry reading, which is he's done, but I know I'm not, I'm not much of a poetry guy. Joel's big poetry guy. Um, but, and I have some new thoughts on poetry that I am going to share with you after I read this poem. Right. Okay. So, is called the baseball player i probably will fuck it up because well whatever i don't get the lines uh <clears throat> anyway against the bright grass the white knickered players tense seize in a tent a moment ago outfielders and infielders adjusted their clothing glanced at the sun and settled forward hands on knees the catcher twitched a forefinger the pitcher walked back up the hill established his cap, and returned. The batter rotated his his bat in a slow circle. But now they pause, wary, exact, suspended, while abiding, moonrise lightens the angel of the overgrown garden, and Walter Blake Adams, who died at 14, waits under the footbridge. How'd I do?
0: Very good. Nice job. Nice job. love it. <clears throat> right. Snap! So Joel, Joel snap! Snap, me, snap! 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 Snap!
1: Snap! Is that what you do at poetry readings? Yep. Um, Joel told me that when you're reading poetry, you don't pay attention to the lines at all. You just pay attention to the punctuation.
0: Punctuation. <clears throat> so
1: I don't get it. And that poem, <laughs> like each line is only like three words long, so it's pretty confusing.
0: <laughs>
1: <clears throat> um, so anyway, I wrote. I read this book this essay it's called it's also called fathers playing Catch with sons it's the first essay of this book of essays and it's by far the longest essay in the book it's about 40 pages um and it kind of covers uh hall's visit as uh as a press invite to a week uh participating in the pirates uh the pittsburgh pirates training camp um (coughs) In I'm sorry I think it's 1972 or 73. 73. Um, so he the essays written in a series of days almost like journal entries, and it's kind of interesting because you know we've done a lot of D block book clubs, um, and it's either been like historians or autobiographies or. Uh. Uh, And this is like a completely different, I mean, it's a collection of essays, but it's also, it it has like, the style is just way different, which got me kind of thinking about this guy who's a poet. Um, And poetry kind of is like, he, it's, poetry is not about what the words literally mean, right? It's like trying to use these words to describe something that can't be described literally, right? And so that's kind of the style of this essay, because the essay is about his time in 1973 at spring training with the Pittsburgh Pirates, but it's also kind of about baseball as a whole, Um, and his father and his son, and kind of all this other shit. Um, But anyway,
0: but but I like the I like the point that you're saying. So so he's trying to describe something that that he he the the author uh Donald Hall considers to be indescribable.
1: Well, no, but I think that, like, baseball is kind of indescribable. Like, you know, we, we talk a lot about, like, if aliens came to Earth and they were like, well, tell me about baseball. And you'd be like, well, just fucking probe me because I can't describe it to you. Like, it's not something that you can kind of explain. Um And that's what was so cool about this essay is kind of he has this kind of way of kind of getting to the essence, maybe, of what baseball is. You know what I mean?
0: Okay, yeah, I love what you say. Let me let me let me be kind of a dick real quick. Sure. Because we talk a lot on this podcast about our love of box scores. Right. And what a box score literally is, is a description of a baseball game. Right. So, like, which is like kind of the beauty of baseball, crystallized is I can represent baseball exactly based on the the. It's not even the box score. What's the word I'm looking for? Ironically, uh, you know when you, you know, the box box score, but the play-by-play box score. Oh, the scorecard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know. Six four
1: three, yeah.
0: A six five. a six four three describes exactly what happened in that play. Right, right. But like to get
1: to be able to look at that and to like grasp what it means, though, like you need to have been paying attention in on some level to baseball like for your entire life.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Like, I can look at a scorekeeper's book and, like, get what happened in a game and, like, really kind of feel it. But it's, like, that's not something that even, like, a casual baseball person would get, probably.
0: True. Right. Right.
1: Um, And he kind of talks not literally about that, but just about how, like, baseball is, like, something and also not something. I'm trying to find this passage. Um,
0: well, I, I, I like the idea of how do you describe what's happening? You know, like a journalist, a journalist would describe what's happening right. on the baseball field differently than a poet and differently than a statistician. Right.
1: Well, so we've read books like uh, the Earl Weaver book, um, Uh, and then the um, Spaceman Lee book. And those were both kind of like characters. Uh, Yeah. We actually were kind of directed towards Donald Hall because he wrote, he co-wrote a book with Bill Spaceman Lee, which we haven't read yet. Right? That's not the book you read.
0: No, that's not the one I read. No. Uh, Oh, we should find that book. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't put... Okay, I didn't put that together.
1: Um, but so anyway, he... Uh, well, I forget where I was going with that. But, oh, well, yeah, so, like there are all these books like the, the Space Van Lee and the Earl Weaver book that are like first-person accounts. And they're like, this is my experience. These are my stories. Um, and, you know, that's baseball. And then we read books like The Catcher Was the Spy or um, that book about uh, what's-his-name playing in the Dominican Republic. The yeah, Picture and the Dictator. The pitcher,
0: the pitcher and the Dictator about Satchel Page.
1: About Satchel Page. And mm-hmm. that's like an academic or a journalist doing research and compiling sources and other people's accounts. And that's like, this is the story. These are the you know, these are my sources, whatever. And then, so this essay, I've only read the first essay, but this essay is kind of like, ba- this is baseball. Baseball is like all of these stories, but you put it all together and it like means, like, this is what it means to me, but also like, this is what it means as a greater contextual uh, phenomenon. I
0: yeah. Yeah. Okay, could I ask you a favor before sure. you go on? Can you yeah. read? I want you to, Can you read that the that poem? It's called the Baseball Players. Yeah. Can you read that? Read that again.
1: Okay. God, I did so well. I didn't like fuck it up, even though. No, it was great. Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I want you to read it again.
1: Okay. Why? I don't feel like the people listening to this podcast are like actually interested in hearing that poem again uh, whatever i'll do it yeah uh, for all of our listeners in dublin uh he's a huge yates guy so yeah right he was irish yeah yeah okay cool nailed that okay the baseball players against the bright grass the white knickered players tense seize, in a tent a moment ago outfielders and infielders adjusted their clothing Glanced at the sun and settled forward, hands on knees. The catcher twitched a forefinger. The pitcher walked back walked back of the hill, established his cap, and returned. <clears throat> the batter rotated his bat in a slow circle. But now they pause, wary, exact, suspended, while abiding moonrise lightens the angel of the overgrown garden. And Walter Blake Adams, who died at 14, waits under the footbridge.
0: Yeah. Who the fuck is Walter Blake Adams?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I only read this book for the first time, like, right before the, <laughs> right before the podcast, because it's further along in the book.
0: You read it the first time, I was like, who the fuck is Walter Blake Adams?
1: Well, I think that uh, that's kind of, you know, these this are is, like the scenes of the players and like players like you can be a professional baseball player but like at one point in my life i was a baseball player you know like so many children like all like we you know played little league or like high school ball or whatever you know um and that's kind of what this so this essay fathers playing catch with sons is uh about a week long trip that Hall took to play, to go to training camp with the Pittsburgh Pirates in
0: 1973.
1: Okay. That it's where he became friends with uh, Doc Ellis, who we later wrote a a biography about. Um, And uh, he is in his early fifties and he's out of shape and he's a poet. And he's a lifelong, like, obsessed baseball fan. In the introduction of the book, actually, he talks about how sports are his release and how most authors just drink for their release. But, like, his his is sports. Um, <laughs> and, you know, podcasters. Yeah. Um, but so he... Uh, but anyway, the whole first part of it is kind of the days leading up to his trip and how nervous he is.
0: Um, uh, qu- so how old is sorry how old is he right now in the essay like what what he's is he, he what's he describing? Well he is he writing about himself as a kid?
1: No well uh, he does at one point but not at the beginning
0: at the okay end, okay like,
1: it starts off very like journal entry e moving towards his arrival in Florida. Okay. And he... um, And and it's funny because it's like he gets this chance and he, like, talks about how writing really opens a lot of doors. And, like, the reason he started writing about sports is because he knew that as soon as he started writing about sports, he would get access that normal people wouldn't ever get. Right. Um, And that's kind of what this is. So he gets invited to go to spring training. He's really excited. But then he gets, like, really fucking nervous um, because he's going to spring training. He's going to participate, you know, and do, like, the training and the drills and everything. Um, And he goes, and first he stops at the uh, University of Georgia where his friend is a poet who he says, he's a fine poet and a good athlete as far as poets go. Um, And he's really good at ping pong. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he's asking questions. He's asking Donald Hall questions like, what will you do if they ask you to arm wrestle? And he says, it all began in eighth grade, I tell him when I tried out for the baseball team. They didn't cut me. They laughed at me. I remember the faces. Go home, Hall. That's why I started writing poems, I say. The humiliation. I could not be good at anything in sports. So I looked around to see what else I could do to get attention, especially from girls, especially a year later when I was at Hamden High from cheerleaders. That's why I started to write poems. And then his buddy says, that's not why I started to write poems. Who do you think you are? George Plimpton? <laughs> Do you know who George Plimpton is? No. No, me neither. (laughs) But he plays in this essay. Because that's... It's like in this conversation, he starts to get nervous. So he then calls George Plimpton, um, who I guess makes movies? I don't know.
0: I'll I'll Google it. I'll I'll
1: Google it. You eat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He calls George Plimpton. George Plimpton's not in town. Um and he starts to get really nervous. Uh, and so he gets to Sarasota, Florida. Um, his Buddy Gary, who's another writer who's like, yeah. got him invited on this trip. Um,
0: oh, I know who George Plimpton right, is. Right. The
1: name sounds familiar.
0: He's a journalist and you've seen him. He's, he died in 2007. You've seen him on TV. He interviewed guys. He's got, he's like, the most New england guy you could ever imagine. He's got the big gray hair, and he talks, talks like this, you know, like, talks with that New England accent that people don't actually talk with anymore. Right. Uh, uh, Participatory journalism. Right. He went to Harvard
1: yeah, they probably went to Harvard together.
0: You, you can find him on YouTube. It's he's funny. He he's a big bu- yeah friend of the Kennedys. I know this fucker. So he, he went. He also went to Phillips Exeter Academy. Right.
1: Yeah. So.
0: Which is why I want to teach at Phillips Exeter, <laughs> Exeter Academy.
1: All right. I frighten myself. I go into a corner and mope. John Parrish the doctor will arrive tomorrow and Jim Wooten, who writes a column for the Philadelphia Inquirer. I don't belong here. I hate everybody. I don't want to have a drink. Everybody else drinks. They are all regular. I am weird. I call George Plimpton. Um.
0: What does George Plimpton say?
1: He says, uh... Don't be solemn, he says. Above all, Donald, don't be solemn. I, oh, I say? Yeah, I guess I sound sort of solemn, do I? You sound, says George, as if you were entering the valley of the shadow of death. Um, George, George, uh, George answers the phone. I tell him rapidly and apparently in accents of panic what I am up to. George seems concerned for my spirits. Why are you whispering? He says. You seem to be telling a secret. But he agrees to give me advice. He suggests that I listen a lot. You mean I shouldn't talk, I say? Yeah, says George.
0: (laughs) 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 Um,
1: So anyway, he... So this is like he gets really nervous. He says, I feel so melancholy about my bad eating habits that I am suddenly overwhelmed with hunger. I look around in a panic. There's not a soggy bag of French fries in sight. Um, he, so he goes, he goes in, he meets the equipment manager. The equipment manager takes his measurement for a uniform and he says, it's going to take me a while. And then he says, why don't you go out onto the field? He goes out onto the field. Uh, He goes, all the the entire team's meeting in center field. He goes out. um, No one kind of pays attention to him. uh, And then they break to run laps. And Doc Ellis, who's standing next to him, slaps him on the stomach and says, you better start running. Yeah,
0: you better start running, motherfucker. Why are you running? I totally uh, empathize with Doc Ellis in this context.
1: Right. Oh, another funny thing. Before this, he talks about the parking lot. He pulls up, and there's, like, a section in the player's parking lot, which is full of Mustangs, he said, except for there's one, like, red and white Cadillac that has, like, leather trim <laughs> on the
0: outside. That's Doc Ellis' car.
1: <laughs> and a vanity plate that just says Doc.
0: Fuck. And, yeah, like, fuzzy doc.
1: dice. <laughs> Um, so, anyway, Doc Ellis tells him to run, and then he runs two laps. And at the end of the two laps, he's like well far in last place. But by the time he gets back to the huddle, he's like ecstatic. He's like as happy as he's ever been in his entire life. Right. He just was like running around the outfield of the players. Um... So, anyway, he takes bet. He goes. He runs the laps. He's so happy, so happy for the rest of the time. Uh, He takes batting practice, hurts his hands, um, and he's, like, missing. He's not doing very well, and then Doc Ellis is standing behind him and telling him when to swing, and as soon as Doc Ellis tells him when to swing, he starts
0: shooting
1: the
0: ball. Um, So why do you think Doc Ellis befriended and or took pity on him?
1: I think Doc. I mean, I don't know. I imagine that we probably will get. It doesn't get into it in this essay, but like we read the book.
0: Yeah. Let's put that. Yeah, I'm really curious Uh, about.
1: But you know, Doc Ellis was kind of an outsider. Uh, You know, I think he was close with his teammates, but he was like, and definitely an outsider with baseball. Um, Yeah. In this episode, he's quoted as saying, "Like they, he wouldn't. They never would pitch him against." this other pitcher who played for I can't remember Philadelphia maybe and he said major league baseball won't let two brothers pitch against each other meaning two
0: right. brothers yeah yeah that that's what I was guessing
1: um but anyway it started a friendship apparently
0: that's cool okay uh, tell me tell me skip ahead to what you were telling me about fathers and sons and brothers right
1: so as because- this essay goes on he starts like Interspersing kind of nostalgia and uh, what baseball, because he's kind of like going through like this is his childhood dream, right? This is like all of our childhood dreams is to be like a professional baseball player, and he finally gets
0: my childhood dream was to be a dinosaur. But go on, yeah, true.
1: Right. So it's like if you, you know, they ask you, you become a successful writer. And then the Museum of Natural History calls you up and says, Joel, we'd like you to come stand on a pedestal in our dinosaur room and be a dinosaur (laughs) for a week. (laughs) So just imagine that.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay, I'm on board. All right, I got you. I do stand now. Good.
1: So anyway, he talks a bit about his father. Says his right hand looks like a peeled musk melon, which is a line I really liked. Yeah. But this kind of, this paragraph sums up the essay pretty well, I think. Uh, And and this is a quote now. Uh, Baseball is fathers and sons. Football is brothers beating each other up in the backyard, violent and superficial. Baseball is the generations looping backward forever with a million million apparitions of sticks and balls, cricket and rounders, and the games the Iroquois played in Connecticut before the English came." Baseball is fathers and sons playing catch, lazy and murderous, wild and controlled. The profound, archaic song of birth, growth, age, and death. This diamond encloses what we are.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great passage.
1: Yeah. Uh, And he... um, He goes on, and he keeps... He befriends another kid, this guy I never heard of. I don't know if he ever made it to the major leagues, but he's like a real low minor leaguer who um, is in the minor league system of the Pirates and, like, came to spring training. Um, And he talks about this kid. He's from Indiana. He's a small-town kid, uh, and he's, like, very vanilla and kind of a black, like, you know – idealistic and doesn't cuss and he's religious and um <clears throat> and he realizes that this 18 year old kid reminds him of his father as a young man because uh, he's so kind of full of you know he's like he has all these dreams and everything and he goes back to his father And then he talks about how, you know, the fans kind of are like, don't know what's going on, but then they like begin to, um, they begin to like know who he is and accept him like in his part. And he gets interviewed by the local television station. Um, and then, so he, he goes through the training. He does all the training with all, I'm not sure if the other writers who are on this trip are also doing all the training with him. At least one guy is, um. But here's another passage which I really like, um, which um, he's uh, he's talking about kind of the end of the training day for him. So every day when I go inside at two or three in the afternoon, <clears throat> sorry, every day <clears throat> when I go inside at two or three in the afternoon, practice starts at ten in the morning on weekdays. No lunch, but the real ball players finish a little earlier. I collapse into orange juice, into a hard-boiled egg, into (laughs) plastic boxes of chocolate milk. Mm. Nothing has ever tasted so good as that first hit of chocolate milk. A rush so beautiful, I would rob a filling station for it. Um, And I just, I I like that passage. Yeah, yeah, that's
0: really good. (laughs) I
1: love that. Um, It, you know, reminds me of, you know, sports practice or whatever, when you're a kid or like a hard day of work or whatever, something that you're like, just really physically exhausted. And like, you just, whatever the first calories that you get into you at, at that moment, it's like the greatest thing in the world, you know, or like you yes, have a really yes. hard day and that first like really cold sip of beer, you know what I mean? Um, That's kind of what it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but anyway, there's, like, the whole essay is kind of filled with those, these kind of, like, moments where he, like, really kind of zeroes in on and nails an experience uh, that in some way is tied into both baseball and, like, aging.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I got, I got lots of opinions right now. I love what you're talking about. Um, oh,
1: one more passage. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, this is like he goes to the first spring training game. Uh, and this is at the first. Oh, and that kid that he was talking about. There's like, oh, you're going to sit in the dugout from the first part, first game? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, you're going to hear some language in there. That you've never heard before. <laughs> Talk about how foul-mouthed all the ball players are. Um, but this is, uh, back at the edge of the dugout, Bob Robertson is chewing and spitting magnificently. When the dugout is full, the arcs of spit are miraculous to behold. Look the length, length of the dugout at any given moment, and several brown wads of to- liquid tobacco will be raining, rainbowing out. The cement floor and the cement steps are slimy with spit. And that, you know, that's like a kind of insider's, like, you know it, right? But yeah, 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 yes, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: That's going to be gone with coronavirus. You're not <laughs> right, to
0: spit it. right. Right. Yeah. We talked about that. Yeah.
1: And that's like such a baseball Like, they don't, you know, they don't do chewing tobacco so much anymore. But, like, that's said, like, like, spitting is such a baseball thing, you know?
0: Yeah. I've been trying to find this article. It was on the New Yorker at some point, and I can't find it right now. Mm -hmm. But it was about baseball versus football. And you were talking about the game of fathers and sons as opposed to the game of brothers against brothers. It really struck a curve (laughs) with me. Because what I've always read about is that baseball is a game of eternal return. You start at home and you go around the bases and you come back home. Right. The objective is to come back home. Right. And that 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 rings true to me in the sense of the game of fathers and sons in the sense that it's a game of generations. Right you are born you grow you die and you are resurrected right in you in in the next ge- you, you're in the next generation like uh baseball in that sense is the game of the eternal return right we we play until the game is over unless the owners tell us that a runner runner starts on second base fine right but <laughs> We play until the game is over, and we play in circles. Whereas football is a game of brothers against brothers. It's a right. game of war. You're playing war. You're playing the opposite of tug-of-war. Right. You're, you're bashing into your brothers until you obtain all of their territory, and you score a touchdown and do a day. Right, right. And I think that still uh, maintains. I, I think those metaphors are still uh, important and, and necessary to remember. Even in, even in today, when we think that sports is just about money, because it is right, about right. money, but like it's still about the, you know, coming back home again. Baseball is a sport about leaving home and coming back home again. That's what I, it's about. Yeah.
1: I I'm gonna throw us way back here.
0: Yeah, I'm. Ready. Don't
1: know if you remember the episode that we did uh, about uh, was the ship of Theseus. What is it? yeah
0: ship of Theseus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: We did an episode titled The Ship of Theseus, where Jesse, long listeners of the show will remember Jesse, uh, asked about baseball in reference to the philosophical question, The Ship of Theseus, where Theseus left, and he was sailed for so long that every single piece of his ship was replaced. And is that still the same ship? And applying that to baseball. And I feel like this ties into that question is because like I'm a Red Sox fan because like my father is a Red Sox fan and he went to games at Fenway Park with my grandfather Um, and like that kind of generational stretch into the back like history of the game is what makes the Red Sox still the Red Sox because like You know, my grandfather was watching Ted Williams play in Fenway Park, uh, and Ted Williams is dead now. And I've never seen him play, you know, I never saw him play baseball live. Um, And, but like, the Red Sox are still the Red Sox, not because Ted Williams is still there, but because my grandfather was there, and then now I'm here now. And like that's why. That's why the Red Sox are still the same Red Sox as they've they've always been. Huh? Yeah,
0: you yeah, know what I'm saying? yeah, I do, I do. I think that's that's awesome and controversial because we give That's different than what we talked about five years ago. When we talked about the ship of Theseus. Ship of Theseus. That conversation was. If you trade every player from the Red Sox, are they still the Red Sox? I know, that's what I'm
1: saying though. They're still yeah. the Red Sox, not because of the players on the field, but because of the history. Because of that like generational connection. That was the argument I made then.
0: But and, and you're still right. And what you're saying is that and oh, if you bear witness to it then you get to call it into reality right that that so
1: the red sox won the world series in 2004 and like it's one of the only times that i've heard my father cry we talked on the phone and he just kept saying like i wish that my father could have seen this you know what i mean and like that's why the red sox are still the red sox is because like The Red Sox win the World Series in two thousand and four. I call my father and speak to him, but he's thinking about his father and like their time together with like listening to the Red Sox on the radio or going to games at Penway Park. And it's like this kind of stretch that like, regardless of who's on the field, regardless of the fact that like Ted Williams was not on the field, or like, you know, regardless of the fact that whatever you know you know it was Pedro Martinez not Roger Clemens you know or like not Cy Young on the mound and it and and that it's like this kind of connection that goes back through time uh is what I mean that's really what baseball is you know
0: I'm sorry yeah but a billionaire disrupts that at their will. Right. That's a problem. Like, it's not gonna happen to it's not gonna happen to Boston. But if I'm a Pittsburgh Pirates fan and I have that memory of that nineteen seventies World Series that's as ecstatic as what you just described. I'm not trying to like discount the description of what you just said. But now that fan's memory is at the, you know, expense of racist newspaper.
1: Right. I mean, yeah. I think that, like, I think that only a team leaving a, a geographical region can really disrupt that. Like, as shitty as what's going on right what? now is it's like coronavirus you know what i mean yeah like it's terrible and it's like something terrible like something crazy happened which is coronavirus and the league had a chance to do the right thing and like be good like a good and positive thing for this country and their fan base and they saw that opportunity and they were like hey Nah, you know what I mean. Like that's (laughs) like that's horrible. But it's not like they were like we're gonna fuck up baseball right now this season. It's not like they're like we only want to play sixty games
0: this year. You know what I mean? Right, right. right. I don't, I don't watch more than sixty games anyway. (laughs) Which is true. I don't. But you
1: read more than sixty box scores, Joe.
0: That's a very true. Yeah. That very fucking true. I will.
1: I will read 162 box scores. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. even if I don't watch 162 games.
0: Yeah. Oh man, I think we've got. I think we've covered a lot.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: I think we have a lot that we need to cover again because we're talking about the value of baseball.
1: I don't know if it's about the value of baseball. I think it's more about, like, the fabric of life and familial legacy. You know what oh, I mean?
0: You upped the stakes. I thought you could <laughs> the stakes. Right. Okay, we're talking about the reality of that. <laughs> Anyway, well, this, I, have
1: another, I have another poem if you wanted me to bring it up. Right,
0: no, right not yet, not yet. I want you. To, I want you to hold on to that for about five minutes because sure. I got the things I want to say. I love this shit. Uh, we are. What we're doing is making the argument for baseball. Uh, uh, this is why baseball has this anti-trust. Uh, 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 exemption and like if they don't abide by America right they need to lose their anti trust exemption right because the entire purpose of it is that this is America well yeah
1: exactly but this is a this is like a sacred part of American cultural identity and like the league is supposed to like hold that sacred and take care of it.
0: And they have not done that.
1: They have, they not only have they not done that, but they actively tried not have, tr- or they are actively trying not to do that. They're doing everything in their power to not do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is, a, this is a theme that we're going to have to come back to. Okay, <clears throat> before you go, Sam. Right. I want to read this poem by this poet, Charles North. Okay. Who I have after Googling. He is an American poet, essayist, and teacher at Tufts and Columbia. Okay. okay. So is He's, this
1: the podcast where we read poems back and forth, forth at each other?
0: No, no, I mean, yes, but...
1: Because I'm down, but you just have to promise not to fall in love with me. That's all I'm saying.
0: Uh, sure.
1: Yeah,
0: Whatever. I, I actually, I want to read the Donald Hall poem again. You you don't read it at the lines. Read it at the... Uh, 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 punctuation. Yeah, I did. Yeah, you did a good job. It's right. It's right. I, I found the whole poem and it's right. Like, the meaning of the poem comes out at the punctuation. The meaning of the poem does not come out at the lines. Yeah, no. Yeah. But I'm going to read this bullshit poem to you that Charles North wrote, and then afterwards I'm going to talk to you about. Ready?
1: Okay. The,
0: the, the title of the poem is Cities. Okay. San Francisco, SS. Munich, CF. Paris, LF. Rome, C. Madrid, 3B London RF Athens 1B Istanbul 2B New York P This motherfucker took a game that we literally play every week on this podcast. And he got it published as a poem in the New York. Yorker. What,
1: what is it? C-
0: Cities as baseball players.
1: Cities and baseball players?
0: Cities as baseball players. Oh. San Francisco, SS. Munich, CF. Paris, LF. Rome. Why is it a better there? We've been giving our labor away, man. We could have gotten published in the New York. <laughs> Seriously? When, <Yeah.
1: laughs> when was that published? 70s. Fucking time traveling poets.
0: Yeah. Fuck them.
1: So, how's that a poem, though? Explain that to me, (laughs) Joe.
0: Well, it's a poem in that it's asking you to question the meaning of language, I suppose. And, like, which city would be the best picture?
1: You know, I feel like New York is a good choice.
0: Yeah. Based catch you. on, like,
1: the stock exchange being, like,
0: yeah,
1: you know, basically what happens on Wall Street dictates what happens in the rest of the world, you know?
0: Oh, his creative hitters, roll. catch you That's interesting. Huh. You should have your catcher be your best hitter. Right. Yeah. They're also all European and North American, except for Istanbul, possibly. Who's it's- Istanbul? Second base, eight. Huh. I'd have, like...
1: What's the capital of the Dominican Republic?
0: Santo Domingo, I yeah. think.
1: Yeah. I'd have Santo Domingo playing, like, I don't know, yeah. every position, probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All, right. All right, take us out with that other poem.
1: I, you want me to take you, us home with the other poem?
0: I mean, we can talk about it, but let's... Yeah, okay. Uh, do you want to talk about it, or do you want to just gonna go? I'm just going to go. Yeah.
1: Uh, this poem is called Couplet, Old Timer's Day, Fenway Park, 1st of May, 1982. <clears> Ready. Ready. When the tall, puffy figure wearing number nine starts late for the fly ball, laboring forward like a lame truck horse started, startled by a gardener snake, this old fellow, whose body we remember as sleek and nervous as a filly's, and he barely catches it with his gloves tip, we rise and applaud, weeping. On a green field, we observe the ruin of even the bravest bodies, as Odysseus wept to glimpse among shades among shades, the
0: shadow of Achilles. Read it one more time. Take, tall, take, the, it down, take it back. Take it
1: back. Take it back.
0: Take it back. Ready? Read it one more time. When the
1: tall, puffy figure wearing number nine starts late for the fly ball, laboring forward like a lame truck horse startled by a garter snake, This old fellow whose body we remember as sleek and nervous as a filly's and he barely catch and barely catches it in his gloves tip. We rise and applaud weeping on a green field. We observe the ruin of even the bravest body as Odysseus wept to glimpse among the shades the shadow of Achilles.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Dump on the Unbossed a Baseball podcast. Thank you so much for listening to us. Um, for First, my name is Joel. Check us out on Apple iTunes. Give us a rating, a review, and a subscription. You can also check us out on uh, SoundCloud or Spotify. Tweet at me. I will tweet back at you. You can check us out on Facebook or on Google Gmail. Sam. Love it. Thank you, man. Yeah. So good. So good. Yeah, look we'll
1: more. There's a lot more essays. We could probably we do,
0: another a on this do a We're gonna do a lot. Yeah, I think we could do one, maybe two more episodes on this. Uh, and I I yeah, I think we got a lot going forward. So Most of the rest of the
1: essays are like two to five pages though. Just
0: yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we'll have to do, like, yeah, I gotcha. I got, I, I, we'll spend a while on Donald Hall. I think this yeah. is a good thing. He's got a lot
1: of good stuff. stuff.
0: Yeah, he's got a lot of good stuff. This is awesome. And, and then we can branch out. We can do Doc Ellis. We can do, uh, other, like, I, like, we need to do a whole Field of Dreams episode. Right, we really do because there's a book that Field of Dreams is based on, which I think is related to Donald Hall's poetry. We got a lot. We got to fucking okay. talk about. Is it.
1: Darth Vader supposed to be Donald Hall?
0: Yes, yes, yes. Okay.
1: yeah. Sorry, yeah. that
0: took. I had to. I had to. <laughs> I can't yeah. remember the actor's name. Yeah, I got. Yeah, too Yes. Okay, cool. Uh, He's actually supposed to be J.D. Salinger, but it makes way more sense if he's Donald Hall. Right. Yeah. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good evening and a pleasant tomorrow. No music tonight because I'm listening on him.